The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to recap the week that was in All Elite Wrestling. Uh, Before we get into the action, Mike, how are you doing? Sore. Sore everywhere. Uh, My gym in Massachusetts, we are in phase three of our COVID reopening. And my gym opened last week, so I've been able to go back, been lifting. Try, you know, starting out slow because, you know, when you haven't lifted in four months, uh, things are heavier than they were before. Yeah, don't um, hurt yourself. <laughs> so been going light on light on the uh, the weights here. But, you know, it's just been really nice to get back into it, uh, get the routine back. You know, I've worked out. I've lifted four times since last Friday. I've done a two and a half mile walk every day, even on days that I lift. So. Uh, just been really good to to get active again, and my gym does a really good job with uh, the social distancing. All the equipment is very very spaced apart. It's in an old warehouse, so it's like three stories tall, so a lot of open air, not a lot of like gathering around things. And you know, for general gym use, you have to book ahead. So it's been really nice because a, it, I think it motivates me more to go when I have a spot reserved. And then did I say one or did I say A? Either way. B, uh, the number of people working out when I've been working out, out has been minimal. So no waiting for equipment. Don't have to worry about people crowding you and spreading those germs. So, um, yeah, as long as I'm, I'm feeling good and they keep the cleaning and enforcing their policies, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. So for all the, the people who don't want to wear masks, Massachusetts has been wearing masks this entire time and we're not seeing a surge right now. So I guess my general response is wear a damn mask. Yeah, for real. Uh, so you couldn't see me, but I uh, saluted when you said general gym use. <laughs> general gym use. Yeah. Classic, classic how I met your mother joke right there. I, I can't wait till we get that Zencaster video. Uh, things set up too because then we can record the podcast and also maybe start a youtube channel who knows hey who knows that would be crazy yeah how you doing buddy i'm doing well uh my wife and i celebrated our eighth wedding anniversary this past weekend so your real wedding anniversary that's a story for another time uh, <laughs> another time being never um yeah yeah so uh i can delete that if you want no no it's fine it's fine uh, it's not like it's a big secret or anything. It's it's just a complicated story. Um, I just like that I was one of the first ones to know. So huzzah to me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that was nice. And uh, we've actually been congratulations walking like every day lately. So that's been nice too. It's been, it's hot, but we've found a park around the corner from us that has a lot of like shaded pathways. So it's actually pretty nice around like four or five o'clock to to go for a walk and. Uh, you know, get out and, and do that. So, so that's been good. And, uh, you know, just living life, trying to get through another day. All right, man. Anything else before we jump into this fight for the fallen? Now let's get into it. The dynamite that was. And let's just go through it. We don't have to have you recap the car. Let's just go match by match. 
All right, fair enough. So the, the night started off with uh, Cody retaining his TNT championship against Sunny Kiss in what I thought was a really entertaining match. And it, it started mm-hmm. being entertaining right from the beginning with Sunny Kiss's entrance, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, came out with Jacksonville Jaguars cheerleaders and had a whole dance routine. And it was just really cool. And from the outset of this match, like Cody was all out of sorts and. Oh yeah. It was uh really interesting. I think, uh, I think if there had been like a real crowd that we would have seen Cody getting booed pretty hard because he was utilizing some pretty nefarious tactics. Oh yeah. It, it was weird. You know, you combine that with the, the strange stuff from Kenny, which we'll talk about later. Uh, it was a weird night for the elite. And, um, yeah, obviously, like Cody, with obviously he he always wrestles more aggressive when he's the bigger guy, as we've seen over the last few months. But like he was borderline heel, I heel mean, here he in some spots. Hat man. off, that's a heel move. Yeah, he was total heel move. Holds on during the five count, that's a heel move. He I was mean, like arguing with Arbery too, which we've never seen Cody argue with like a ref before. Yeah, that's that's like, not really like that. not his thing, and he was even getting you know, fussy with, uh, with his manager. So we got some, some good back and forth with Arn Anderson. I loved Arn in this match. I thought his facial reactions to things were on point. And I love really towards the beginning of the match when Cody was, you know, right after Cody did pushups, which also kind of a heel thing to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Arn was like, do you want to win this match? Get your head out of your ass. I thought that was fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was something, man. And, uh, like they keep they kept showing Tully in the crowd, and I don't know if you've been seeing all the this rumored four horsemen uh, stuff that's been going on. So maybe they're they're leaning into it a bit more. But I don't know. Maybe a uh, maybe a like Aaron as the angel and Tully's the devil on Cody's shoulder. shoulder. Like maybe that's something that will play out. But it, it definitely was interesting. But uh, to to focus on the the star here sunny kiss was amazing and he got the superstar entrance you brought it up but i thought he had the best dance moves up there joel like he was looking good i mean presumably it was his choreography (laughs) and so they had to learn it so obviously like he's gonna look better but um i i thought he looked great in this match in general the Mm -hmm. you know we got a lot of that creative offense that we thought we were gonna get and uh, uh, once again getting to see that kind of I, I don't even know what to call it like a somersault leg drop to uh, an opponent who's kind of hung up on the second rope oh yeah 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 like that's such a cool spot and it's so fast it mm-hmm. just always looks really good and I, I know I've mentioned it before but that spot is just fantastic and there were so much interesting wrestling that took place i, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it i i laughed when uh sunny attempted the split leg drop and you just hear jr very couch say that would kill me <laughs> with his like with his like oklahoma draw like i had to pause because i was laughing so hard <laughs> jr saying you would have died yeah it trying was, to do uh, the splits it was just a really good story too you know over the course mm-hmm. of the match we saw cody get more and more frustrated at his inability to put sunny away and the classic story of that underdog digging deep and kicking out of stuff 
that he had no business kicking out of, which was fantastic. Uh, really, really big superplex from the top rope. It looked great. And that crossroads to finish the match, I really thought oh. Sonny was hurt. I mean, I, I don't know what went wrong there, but man, that looked absolutely devastating. It looks stiff. And that move never really looks that stiff. You know, usually it's like, you're getting spiked and you're selling like the, you know, like the Kenny or Sammy Guevara way of taking that move. This one was just kind of like a thunk and it just looked very impactful. Um, well, and we like, got Sonny here. Oh, it, keep going. It looked like Sonny like tucked the wrong direction and like as the body weight was going away from the head instead of like going together. And, and that's just a recipe for disaster. But I was, I was glad that that ended the match because I, I really, I didn't want to, you know, potentially have someone working with an Die. aggravated neck. That's yeah. just not good. But great. Nah, uh, yeah, a few other spots I really liked in this match. I love Sony whipping out the Matrix Dodge. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure who does it better, uh, him or Penelope Ford. Um, both impressive. And then Sonny uh, hitting the crossroads on Cody. And then following it up with a 450 splash. I just thought it was a really cool... Uh, cool moment there and then you know me i love a good alabama slam so getting the alabama slam on the stage awesome yeah again so, more kind of heelish tactics there mm-hmm. yeah and it's funny because you mentioned earlier about like he was kind of off his game after the alabama slam he rolled Sonny back into the ring and he cody himself was under the ropes and he she obby wouldn't count the pin like little mental errors that kept popping up and one of the things I th- like if I, who knows what we're, they're doing here, if we're really getting a some heelish turns from some of these guys. But um, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of the open challenge just turning into how can Cody cheat his way to win every single week? Well, <laughs> I think it's kind of long form storytelling of seeing Cody like the the wear and tear on him, both physically and mentally of going out every week and defending his championship because it is clearly wearing on him. So I think that's a cool story that they're telling. And if if that's all it is, then that's still good. And it's going to end up with him, you know, losing in one of these matches simply because he's worn down. And I, I like the way that they're, you know, setting that up. On the flip side, if that's not the story they're telling, if this is a way to turn him heel, then that's fantastic, too. And I'm here for that. So there's just a lot to like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <coughs> Excuse me. So, yeah, I'm curious to see where this goes. Uh, great showing for Sunny Kiss. Uh, Sunny and and Janela should be, you know, a pretty big factor in the tag team division here coming up. And yeah, kudos all around. Anything else before we we move on? No, let's let's get on to our first tag team match of the evening, and that was FTR getting the win over the Lucha Bros. And uh, what was a, a kind of a tale of two matches? It started out pretty sloppy. There was a lot of mistiming and a lot of spots that mm-hmm. didn't quite go the way they wanted them to. And I, I think that's a consequence of this only being the second time that these two teams have shared a ring and the first time they've faced off in a straight up tag team match. So, you know, they had to kind of feel each other out, figure out what the timing was for everybody. And by the end of the match, Everything looked great and it was mm-hmm. so crisp. So 
I, I was impressed that they were able to kind of figure that stuff out on the fly. And I really liked what I saw from both teams in this match. It was just classic FTR and classic Lucha Bros. All the great spots and everything that we've come to expect. Well, FTR, didn't they, they haven't had to do work rate like this week in and week out when they were with the other wrestling company. So maybe it's just like, oh yeah, everyone can go here. So pick up the pace. Um, I think the big the, the big thing I took away from this match early on is this the 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 slaps from these four guys might be the like the most impactful slaps on the company. Freaking Dax was bleeding from his chest at one point. Like yeah. not even just like a little speckles of blood, like it was dripping down his chest, which <laughs> is absurd. Um so just just really incredible stuff there with the the strikes. And yeah, I I I agree with you. It started off a little rough, like that botch from the Lucha Bros when they were trying to do that tag team move. Like I looked down at my watch, I'm like, oh God, hit the fucking move already. Like, come on. Um, but they definitely rebounded and uh they did like this this diving sunset flip, and then like they whipped them up after the sunset flip right into like a running kick and then like dual super kicks from the Lucha Bros, like just really fast and clean and smooth stuff. Um so one thing I really liked in this match was that they were actually kind of telling the story of these teams not having worked each other before because they had Phoenix go to the same move twice in a row. And the first time he connected and the second time Dax got out of the way. And it was that rebound uh, tail kick that, or hook kick that um, Phoenix likes to do where he kind of swings through the ropes and then uses his momentum to hit that big uh, spinning hook kick. So he nailed it the first time and then goes for it again, not three minutes later in the match. And that time, you know, Dax ducks out of the way and uses it to take advantage in the match. So there's some really good storytelling in addition to all of the, the crazy spots that were there. And, yeah, you know, I'm, and, I'm a my- fan of the kind of quick jab punches to the jaw that a lot of different, wrestlers do i think samoa joe does that really well but i don't think anyone working today does it better than dax harwood those punches look so good and a good working punch goes a long way with getting somebody over and making a match look realistic and impactful so i really like seeing that and he's great at it yeah and then my spot of the match not spot of the night unfortunately that's going to someone else, but that suicide dive from Cash that essentially turned into a DDT. Yeah, that was crazy. I don't know if that was on purpose. <laughs> like, I think it was. Like, I mean, maybe they pulled it off too well for it to have been an accident, in my opinion. I yeah. thought it looked great. And I, I thought, like you, it was just going to be a standard, you know, tope suicida. And then he grabbed on and, and went down into that DDT and, and really impactful move. Yeah, but this was just a fantastic match. Absolute clinic of tag team wrestling. And I was really surprised that FTR went with kind of a cheap tactic to get the win with pulling off Phoenix's mask. And, you know, I I know they've kind of, as characters, expressed disdain for the Lucha style of wrestling, but I didn't expect them to do something so (laughs) dastardly and heelish in order oh, to, yeah. to get the victory. So I was surprised and, and I gasped, man, I gasped. Oh no, we, we wrestling fans. We're, 
the amount of people just screaming the disrespect on Twitter. Like you don't take off someone's mask, man. And you know, as, as we see in our in our politics today, we have a lot of uh, do as I say, not as I do type of things. So if FTR's gimmick is you know we respect traditional wrestling and they still fucking cheat, like cool. Well, I, I agree. this is America. I mean, let's see it. <laughs> it worked. Been, they've been depicted kind of as more of a, a babyface team through their mm-hmm. entry into the company, uh, tagging with the Young Bucks and then with all the after match shenanigans that we saw with the bucks kind of coming in and uh you know getting the the truck back for for ftr now of course i guess it did kind of end in a heelish way with them pouring beer on (laughs) but i think it's interesting the way they've kind of made this kind of a tweener tag team out of these two and I don't know. I guess they were kind of so, the faces in this match, but they're definitely going to be the heels when they face off against the Bucks. It's funny you mentioned that they've been portrayed. I've always felt they were kind of like bullshitting the Bucks. Like it came off like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll be cool. And I've expected the punch or turn at some point um, throughout this whole thing. So like I haven't, I've always, I always just assumed they were going to be heels at some point in this company. So um and if this doesn't lead to some sort of triple threat match um, with Kenny Omega, Page, the Bucks, and FTR, um, I might be disappointed because that would be amazing. Um, and yeah, that's that stuff post match. You know, Kenny coming to do the peace offering. And did, did you like how they they just use a freaking sharpie to block out the <laughs> Miller Light logo? <laughs> I thought that was a little bit slipshod. It's almost like they, they came up with this bit and they were like, "Oh crap, we don't have time to like." actually properly do this uh i wish they had just taken some duct tape though and like duct taped around it written beer on the can yeah like uh like we got no we got no aw koozies or something put in a koozie like it was it was for a show that (laughs) makes so much fucking money and spend so much money you think there would be a better prop than just what scribbling over the logo um but that made me laugh too (laughs) because it's just it's so obvious that was Miller Lite. <laughs> I, I did like the FTR being beer snobs, though. And after well, yeah. retreating from the ring, being like, I'm going to go get a real beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anything else about uh, this uh, this match before we before we move on? No, no, we can move on. I think um, before we get into our next match, we should take a moment to talk about the Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy segment. because. That felt like a moment. Uh, So Jericho comes out and cuts a typical Jericho heel promo where he pretends like he's going to give Orange Cassidy a rematch. And then Orange Cassidy comes out and dumps orange juice from the ceiling of Daly's place (laughs) onto Jericho in the middle of the ring. And I thought the camera work was really, really cool on this one. I think so often we get a close up of the people on the receiving end of whatever's falling from the sky. I don't remember getting like a wide shot like that in a while uh, where you could see the orange juice release from the sky and fall all the way to the ring. But I thought it looked great and it was super fun. How big of a a drop do you think that was? I don't know. I mean, had to have been, I don't know, maybe 10,000 feet. 25,000 feet, 10 million feet. Either way, it was, it was super high. And I had flashbacks because the, the, the only time I remember is something like that happening 
um what was it like poop was dropped on vince mcmahon <laughs> shane mcmahon and the spirit squad yeah <laughs> like, yeah that was a, a good old dx gag um yep and big uh, show got poop dumped on him too yeah uh because he had too many bean burritos from Eddie. I'd rather, I'd rather orange <laughs> And Big Show cried. Let's go with orange <laughs> juice. Let's stick with that. Yeah. But I thought this segment awesome. was really good. And I I loved the ultra casual thumbs up, thumbs down from Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Just great stuff. Batista would be proud. Um, but yeah, I'm glad this feud isn't dead. Because uh, I think that um, they they can do something really special here. And just make Cassidy even a bigger star. Maybe they bring in the best friends to help out with this. So uh, curious to see where this goes. And I, I kind of didn't like Jericho leaning into the, the ratings war thing. I know he's been like doing that bit on social media. So I didn't really like that, but the demo God, that was good. That was good. I, I trust Chris Jericho a lot. And I think even something that doesn't really hit for me I know it's still going to hit with the audience and everything that I saw online about that whole segment was really, really positive. Mm-hmm. And the other thing it. is There's the- if Jericho is the heel, he doesn't have to be doing things that you like, you know, you want yeah. to see him get orange juice dumped on him and that's a good thing. So also mm-hmm. MVP of the segment Ortiz selling the hell <laughs> out of not being able to stand and swim. Yeah, I've heard before that you can drown in two inches of water, but I didn't believe it until I saw Ortiz flailing about in, you know, that tiny amount of orange juice. It just, it it makes that two inches of water seem a lot more dangerous. My God, the selling. Best sell work of the night, my friend. It was incredible. It was incredible. Um, All right, let's let's move on to... um, my favorite match of the night. My favorite match of the night by far, the Elite versus Jurassic Express. And I, I thought the Elite put Jurassic Express over huge. I know they huge. got the win, but this was a showcase for Jungle Boy, a showcase for Luchasaurus. But most of all, the in my star opinion, of the match. <laughs> a showcase for Marco freaking stunt. I mean, just unreal the stuff that they were doing with him uh there was a spot where marco stunt was on the floor and jungle boy mm-hmm. and Luchasaurus both reached their arms out of the ring and grabbed onto marco's hands and then flung him into the ring over the top rope into a uh hurricane rana on one of the young bucks and it was just crazy. Like he flew through the air like it was nothing. And I think it really demonstrates the kind of cool stuff you can do with someone as small and agile as Marco. Also, Marco looked great. Like Marco's been working out and it shows. He looked really, yeah. really good. Yeah, it it's you know, I've I've had my thoughts with Mr. Marco's stunt. And when when he got the better of Kenny in that initial showdown, my God, I was I was mark marking out so freaking hard. Um, yeah, and then you mentioned it earlier, or you referenced it. I think this is probably what you're talking about. The spot of the night, in my opinion, uh-huh. that absolutely insane destroyer. I thought the destroyer that we saw in the eight man tag match 
was the craziest destroyer I've ever seen. But now I'm not nope. so sure. This was so crazy. I mean, it, you just have to see it. I can't even describe it. But it, it also involved Marco Stunt being flung through the air and, you know, almost killing, I think it was Matt, right? Matt Jackson that took it? It's, it was one of the bucks he took it. But that was absolutely bonkers and i'm watching it again just because it was so fucking nuts like like yeah it was it was matt jackson and jungle boy flips him up he stands on luchasaurus's shoulders and then does a a destroyer off the middle rope off the top rope into the center of the ring like it's it's just insane it's nasty i'll 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 tweet it and i'll put it in the show notes so people can see it but yeah the uh we joked last week with the eight man tag i'm like oh man that canadian destroyer from all out last year they like hold my beer and uh (laughs) these six guys are like "Eh, we could do a little better so i can't wait to see uh pentagon next week give a destroyer to someone off of daily's plaza that's the only place that we can go um but yeah just just an incredible match uh star making match um you know and i just just really good work here between all all six of these guys and um i liked jungle boy's counter to the face buster early on we've been seeing those type of counters to like Mm -hmm. uh cutters and stuff like that um and i liked i like the character work here from kenny the kind of like not even gonna bother taking off my shirt like we talked about cody kind of towing the line this week kenny said fuck the line (laughs) Like, yeah, Kenny um, was like full on heel in this match. And, yeah, you know, the, the heartbreaker of the match was, you know, Kenny setting up for the V trigger on a, a devastated Marco stunt. And Luchasaurus sticks his head through the ropes to, to take the shot. And, you know, even after protecting Marco, Kenny is like, nope, I'm still going to hit him with a V trigger and, and goes back and, and nails Marco too. So it was just, heartbreaking you hate to see it but i mean it was great heel work and i really really want heel kenny like i wanted heel kenny before last night but it it really feels like it's a possibility and that you know coming out of their tag team championship run i think adam page is going to be the baby face and i think i think he's going to be the one thrown through the barbershop window yeah yeah because post-match Kenny like snapped, started punching Marco for no fucking reason. Um, and the Bucks are like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, so um, and I loved that like Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus like ran to Marco like parents defending yeah. their kid from like a dog. <laughs> like, um, and we didn't even mention during the match, you see Hangman getting drunk backstage, unlicensed bartender, Adam Page, and you see FTR join with them and like yeah we we don't want piss water give us something good and a group of hangman page and ftr looks like it makes sense and feels like it would make sense if that makes sense um so i don't know man all these tag teams are are kind of getting each other's business right now um it's amazing how like they have like seven teams like wrapped up in this story right now because you have the the four teams from the eight man tag last week FTR the Bucks Butcher and the Blade uh, Lucha Bros then you have Kenny and and Page obviously as the champs and like 
this shit is just so spread through the division. I love it, and I can't wait to see what they do. And uh, we need the cleaner, man. We need the cleaner. Yeah. So, and and there was an interesting report. I know, I know, you don't, you're not a huge dirt sheet guy, but there was a report of like people saying, "Oh, well, you know, Kenny didn't really do much in his first year," and the report was saying basically that was the point that they wanted Kenny to help make stars, help get other divisions up and running. And that year two of AEW is when they would push Kenny to the moon and back. So maybe we're at the point where Kenny is finally, finally going to get that push, that NJPW-like push that we, we, how we fell in love with Kenny Omega. Yeah, so I, I'd like to see that. I don't put a lot of stock in the dirt sheets, but um, if we get heel Kenny, I'm all for it. So uh, after this match, we had uh, Nyla Rose revealing her manager, uh, surprising no one, but disappointing some of us. Me. <laughs> I was right. I'm putting myself over. I called it out on the pod last week. Yeah, Boom. I'm just not excited. I'm not excited. So Vicky Guerrero is Nyla Rose's manager and i i was impressed you know she came out and she reminded everybody that when she's not just screaming her catchphrase that she can cut a very convincing promo and that she's a good talker so i don't think it's a bad pairing i just i'm done with vicky i just don't right. need vicky Guerrero hear, on my tv hear me out joel we've only had vicky as WWE Vicky. Let's let's give Vicky, let's give AEW Vicky a chance. And maybe she will be more than just, excuse me. Because there were times when she was a very, excuse me, my voice just went completely gone, was a very effective heel manager without having to go into the just screaming and screaming. That was, that was like the last few years of Vicky. Like Vicky with Edge and Chavo Guerrero and La Familia Mm, chef kiss man was awesome so let's let's see where it goes from here i you know i think i think it's gonna work and i what i like about this dynamic is it's not like a tat <coughs> god damn my voice like my throat literally is going dry <clears> throat> the it's not like taz and cage where it's gonna truly just be taz we've heard cage talk what twice like i think this is more Obviously not the same level. Neither of them are at the same level, but I liken it to Paul Heyman and CM Punk when they work together. Two capable talkers working together instead of one who can and one who can. So that's that's my take. And we'll we'll see where it goes. Yes, indeed. We certainly will. And a, a segment sort of related to this. We had a very brief um Hikaru Shida segment that we didn't talk about where oh, that's she right. basically says, All challengers welcome. And I kind of like that she like acknowledged there's not a lot of women in the division right now. So bring it on anyone and anyone. So, you know, we'll talk about our preview next week, but we're getting two faces um, who haven't been on AEW uh, dynamite and either ever or in a long, long time. So um, should be some exciting stuff going on, but Joel, let's move on to our main event. No, 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 no. Oh, did I miss something? You did. Uh, the Nightmare Sisters uh, defeated oh, yeah. NC Pate <laughs> and MJ Jenkins. And 
we don't have to spend a ton of time talking about this match because I think we're still in the preliminary stages of kind of building up this storyline. But I was not into the whole Allie, QT, Marshall, Dustin, Brandy uh, storyline when it first started, but they've absolutely won me over. And they've had multiple matches on Dark as a tag team and have just been doing really, really great classic tag team storytelling and, uh, you know, Allie pretending like she's all in on this team and that, you know, she can be trusted and all of that. And Brandy is kind of the reluctant partner and they're kind of working together and it's kind of going well, but it's kind of not. And they're kind of at each other's throats, but they keep winning and that's bringing them together. So I'm liking what they're doing with this. And I think it's good for both of them to be, you know, getting some some reps in the ring as they've been mostly managing so far in AEW. And they're both very strong in-ring performers. So it's great. You know, I I remember at Double or Nothing, or God, Brandy had some matches over the summer last year where I remember telling you, like, I'm just not impressed, man. Like, she needs to get more ring work. And what I saw last night and what I saw in Dark, she has come so far in terms of her, just her timing, her running the ropes. Um, I think the moves look convincing. Like, she nailed a super kick in this match that looked great. And I don't know if she was pulling that off a year or two years ago. So, um, and, like, we need more women performing in the women's division. We need more top-level women in the women's division. So it definitely makes sense to have Brandy and Allie kind of move more into in-ring work here uh, to help out the division. Cause Brandy can be, um, you know, a, a pretty big star in the women's division on her own. Um, I have no doubt about that. It, it's, I think it's more in line with what all of the elite have done since AW started is kind of take, not necessarily back seats, but not thrust themselves up to the top of the card. So, um, Really liked what they're doing. Well, obviously, this QT Marshall storyline is kind of on pause because QT has the Rona. Um, DDP accidentally revealed that. I'm like, good job, <laughs> DDP. Um, <laughs> oh, my so, gosh. What a DDP. Did you, did you hear this? He posted because I, I guess DDP had it. And he was like, he posted a video talking about like the symptoms and how he's feeling and how he's recovering. And then he basically slipped and said, QT has it. <laughs> Well, sorry, so, QT. I guess yeah. You know, DDP didn't, uh, you know, doesn't have to abide by HIPAA. So no, no, <laughs> bang. Um, I, I, and this is going to be my like, I, I, I didn't even catch the other people's names in this match, but once I looked it up, Kenzie Page is pretty good. We've seen her wrestle before, and the the other girl, I honestly couldn't remember her name. Period, but. Yeah, have they been working stuff on Dark more? Like those two has been featured in AEW a number of times. Yeah, like I remember seeing her before. She wrestled Swole. She's uh, I forget who else she's she's had matches with, but she's been around. MJ Jenkins, I know the name, I just don't know where I know her from. So maybe she's wrestled on Dark. It may be that she wrestled in Women of Honor, and that I saw her, you know, back when I was watching Ring of Honor a lot. Uh, but she's definitely someone that I've seen before and, you know, they're, they're good workers. And I think, you know, kind of getting an extended tryout right now. And 
I'd, I'd like to see either one of them sign. Uh, oh. But we'll, we'll talk <laughs> in our preview of next week about some talents that I really want signed yeah. to AEW. Um, but before can we, can we talk about one one more thing before the main event, <laughs> did you hear about the whole Twitter thing yesterday? Um, kind of vaguely. I don't. I didn't get like a an answer so, actually going on. Yeah. So basically, what happened is a lot of verified accounts were hacked and did like Barack Obama, Joe Biden, a lot of actors, like even Joey Janela got hacked. And it wasn't so much like their individual accounts were hacked. It had something to do with verified Twitter accounts. So yesterday afternoon, all verified Twitter accounts on Twitter could not tweet, period. So like, I don't know if you follow the social media during the event, none of the AEW stuff could tweet because they were all verified. And to talk about a feud that didn't get much airtime this week, but Britt Baker and Big Swole, Big Swole tweeted something about Britt Baker and Big Baker responds, oh, so you're the only one in AEW who can tweet, huh? Basically saying you're shit because you're not ver like verified. <laughs> so just just a very topical burn from uh from Britt Baker to Big Swole. <laughs> that, that was on Twitter um last night. So but yeah, that I wanted to make sure we get that in because that was so freaking funny to me. <laughs> All right. A little bit convoluted, but that's fine. Uh, we'll get to our main event. Uh Cage versus Moxley for the AEW Championship. And this match ended in controversial fashion when Taz threw in the towel on behalf of Brian Cage as Brian Cage appeared unable to make his way out of a cross arm breaker applied by John Moxley. Now, this was kind of interesting because uh, Cage, in reality, is rehabbing a bicep tear. And, you know, he recently had that injury. He was signed to AEW back in January and his debut was delayed because of that injury. So it's kind of interesting that they're working that real life injury into the storyline and Taz kind of making the decision of, okay, maybe you can get out of this. Maybe you can't, but I don't want your arm to be damaged because that's like a long-term play. And mm -hmm. I, kind of come around on the finish a little bit i hated it in the moment but yeah i remember in thinking about it you know it, it kind of makes sense and they've been talking on air about you know that bicep tear and the injury that he was coming back from i also think it was interesting because for moxley you know he's been out of action because of his exposure to renee young who has covid and um, you would think that him coming back, he'd be rusty and that he wouldn't be able to hack it against this monster in Brian Cage. But he smartly goes after the arm, has a game plan and makes his way out of it, kind of demonstrating why he's this scrappy champion. So I, I kind of like the story that they told in retrospect. But in the moment, I was just so hoping for a Brian Cage win and the start of the Brian Cage championship run uh, that I was just disappointed by it. Well, the most important thing we can take from this is that I won the picks. Well, uh, I I'm going to, I'm going to bring the fans behind the curtain. <laughs> we picked the exact same thing and then decided we would each switch one of our picks. So they weren't identical. So, uh, you know, just have that little asterisk out there, but yeah, <laughs> 
Uh, I thought it was a really good match. Uh, yeah. Really hard hitting, very physical. And uh, we didn't see a whole lot of Cage's more athletic moves, mm-hmm. but he did sell like a much smaller guy. And I think yeah. his ability to make his opponent's offense look really good through that strong selling is one of his more underrated aspects. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing about this match is every time Moxley set something up, he went through it. <laughs> he, I, don't think, I don't think Cage went through anything that Moxley set up. Uh, Moxley set up the, the barricade. He gets German through it. Moxley set up the steel chair. He goes through it too. Um, that made me laugh. But yeah, it was it was physical. Um, I yeah, Cage's more athletic stuff we tend to see when he's wrestling someone who wrestles a similar style. Um, and we know Moxley isn't going to be doing that type of stuff. Um, and I like what you talked about, like the game plan of going after the bicep. To me, it kind of reflected. I need to that we have to do that. It kind of was like a desperate strategy, you know, in my eyes, like I, he knows he's overmatched size wise. He knows he's coming off a few weeks of inactivity. Let's just go for what we know is busted and try and try and get the W. Um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I think about the finish though, like, and we've talked about this before. They brought in these new huge stars that immediately get put into these big time matches. So over the last four months, we've had Lance Archer debut. We've had Brody Lee debut and we've had Brian Cage debut and not like Archer got put in that tournament right away. Brody Lee got a title shot within a matter of weeks and then Cage, his debut, he won a title match right away. Um, And I don't know, it's just it's tough to take these guys and put them on like this heat seeking missile, like just straight up into the sky and then have them lose these matches like. Do you think Lance Archer has fully gotten back to where he was before that title match with Cody? I think he's close, but that title match was also like late Memorial Day. That was six weeks ago. And Brody Lee is probably just getting back there now with the story he's been doing with uh, Colt Cabana. And I just hope that Cage doesn't have to take this like six week bump to kind of get back to where he was. So. What are your thoughts on how they've handled these debuting megastars? Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's concerning because, like you said, I don't think Lance Archer has gotten back to you know the the level he was at when he was first coming into the company, and you know he debuted really, really strong and had dominating performances throughout the TNT Championship tournament, and you know that loss to Cody was a bit of a blow even though we kind of saw it coming. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think there's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to make sure that these talents, when they're coming in, especially more established talents that they're put in a position to be successful. And, uh, you know, Brody Lee, like you said, has had a long road to kind of getting back into the limelight and he's still not in a position to be challenging for, a title anytime soon. And I think that's potentially problematic as well. So, you know, I do worry a bit for Brian cage. I think the way that he lost is different enough that, you know, they can have a rematch down the road, you know, maybe even a couple of months from now where cage can say, Hey, that's not going to work on me this time. My arm is better now. And, you know, that was a tactic going after my injury and it kind of shows what kind of champion you are. So I, I think, Taz can definitely sell that story 
and there's an opportunity to go down mm-hmm. that path and have a rematch. I, I wonder if they are reticent to have the main title change without an audience. It could be that too. Yeah. Um, I think one of the big things here too is at least cage has a feud already lined up if they choose to go that route. Oh, with Darby a returning yeah, Darby Allen. That's happening. Means he's not. Yeah. He's not like, uh, Brody Lee and Lance Archer had no storyline to go to. Their stories ended with Cody and uh, Moxley. And then what? You could very seamlessly make a semi-main event feud of Darby Allen and Brian Cage. We know those two guys could kill each other in the ring. Um, Or you pull Darby in, and it's no longer a one-on-one feud. You have some three-man thing going on. So I have hope. Um, And I also feel like maybe if this was last week and not this week, where we basically got three weeks worth of pay-per-views, um, maybe this ending wouldn't have felt so flat because we wouldn't have been building it up for three weeks. So, yeah. And I think also the fact that stories aren't really moving forward very much right now, because, you know, like you said, we haven't really had a traditional dynamite since June. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next week should be a very story heavy, um, AEW. speaking of which, do you want to run through next week's show real quick? Yeah. Let's talk about what's out there. All right, I need one second. So, uh, la 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 la. While you're doing that, is loading. While you're doing okay, that, I got it. Uh, there is one thing that I know about for sure that I'm extremely excited about, and uh, mark this one down: Ivelisse versus Diamante, and mm-hmm. these are two talents who will be debuting. They have not wrestled on Dynamite before. Diamante has wrestled on Dark. And Evelise uh, was, was in the at Casino all Battle Royale. Yeah, was she was she in the? Okay, so I, be- I believe she was I in one she, of the Battle Royals. Yeah, so she's she's been a, she's worked in AEW before, but never on Dynamite, um, and she hasn't been around in a while. So I'm really excited. Evelise is a talent that I first got to know watching Lucha Underground. And she was part mm-hmm. of a trios tag team with Angelico and Matt Cross, who was uh, son of Havoc in uh, Lucha Underground. Oh, and they were one of my favorite teams to watch. So good. And uh, I- I'm excited that she's around. She's a very, very good worker and somebody who just has a really striking personality in the ring that comes across in how she delivers her moves and the way that she sells and very, very excited to have her in AEW. And I hope that both of them get signed because they're great. Uh, Diamante, her work has, uh, that I've seen has mostly been an impact. She was a part of LAX and uh, that whole faction. So she's another very skilled wrestler. She's been around for a while. And uh, I think that, these two should have some great chemistry. I'm pretty sure they've crossed paths before and uh, I'm expecting big things from this match. Yeah. Uh, should be some good stuff. So obviously we have that match. Uh, we then will have the young bucks versus the butch and the blade in a falls count anywhere match. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. That should be awesome. Uh, the inner circle, Chris Jericho and Jake Hager versus Jurassic express. 
from the fallout from this week, the fallout of them making fun of Jericho in a video. So petty. Um, MJF <laughs> will be in enough, Interestingly enough, Marco Stunt is not going to be in that match. I know. Um, it's going to be Jungle Boy <laughs> and Marco Stunt was the one who was picking on Jericho. So that's just an interesting wrinkle there. Well, Marco Stunt has to go get uh, fit for his Hall of Fame jacket after his performance this week. So <laughs> he won't be available. Um, we then will get MJF and an unannounced opponent um, just in action. Uh, Cody will be defending his TNT title against an opponent not yet named. And kind of random, Hangman Page versus Dark Orders 5 with Brody Lee. Curious of the Dark Order getting involved here. So, yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to that Young Bucks and Butch and the Blade match. That should be awesome. And yeah, I love that they're getting a spot here. Um, and uh, Yeah. Well, it depends on who Cody defends against. So, all right. Any anything else, Joel? Before once again, we thought it'd be a nice short show. It's fifty-one minutes long. Womp womp. All right. Well, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Other Wrestling Show. You can find us on Twitter at OWS underscore Pod. You can find Joel at the Other Joel. You can find me at Michael underscore Aranda. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify. Tune in SoundCloud. If you're an Android guy like me, you can find us on pretty much any of the podcasting apps available. You can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com and recommend us to your friends, man. If you like us, uh, interact with us. I've seen some of you guys talking with us on Twitter and Facebook. Um, you know, give us those reviews, helps us get some exposure, helps get some other fans into the, the mix here. And, uh, yeah, Joel, anything else before, um, I go walk around the reservoir for an hour. Uh, yeah. Join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.